This is Agents Influence Podcast. We want an agent to have a super easy button for a customer to quote and bind right on their right on their website as well, right? Like we want them to make it easier to service the policy, like to for their customers, for the policyholders. So a lot of the stuff we're gonna build that you know makes it easy for a business owner to get stuff anywhere. Um, I think agents will tremendously benefit from that as well. And that, that excites me because they're small business owners themselves. And that's, again, that's sort of our heart at Coterie is like we love serving that small business owner. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. All right, all right, all right, loyal listeners. Welcome to another episode of Agents Influence Conversations with Jason Cass. This right here is the podcast where you tell me your thoughts, you tell me your ideas, and I'll tell the world what you have to say. That's what we do here. Now, with this great podcast, this is, as you guys know, InsureTech Week. I don't know if this is the 31st of January, 1st, 2nd, 3rd. I hope 2022 is absolutely rocking for you. So in the Agency Intelligence Podcast Network, this is InsureTech Week. Just think Shark Week, okay? Think that. And that's what we're trying to duplicate here because we really want to build excitement. And you know what, She, I was actually thinking about this yesterday when I'm putting my creative juice to this uh, Shark Week, InsureTech Week. I don't want to get mean and say that InsureTech people are sharks, but you can kind of look at the analogy of if independent agents don't get their stuff together, somebody's going to come in and eat up that market share. See what I'm talking about here? And so I kind of thought, man, this is kind of genius already. Did you think of this sheet? Was it InsureTech Week or was it me? Do you remember? Mm, so shark is the apex predator of the ocean. <laughs> Right, ocean seventy six percent of the Earth. Yep. So we're talking about apex predators, and is Tim an apex predator? That's the question. <laughs> That's the question. She. Let's find out. Jay, we'll find out. Everybody, welcome to the to the podcast. Uh, Tim Metzner. Did I say that right, Metzner? You did yeah. Okay, right. fantastic. My loyal listeners are clapping. They know I butchered names. Tim is uh, the co-founder of Co- Coterie. I always want to say that that's a little different than how I would have spelt it because I'm a terrible speller. Barely got out of first grade in spelling. My mom had to convince. I don't know how she got that guy to the male teacher to figure out to pass me. She was single. I don't know. All right. Just joking. Tim, so what I want to do is I want to welcome you to the loyal listeners. Uh, they're anxious to hear from you since this is Insure Tech Week. Um, and are you ready for this podcast? Let's go. Are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? I'm an iPhone user. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Anyways, wait, 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 that's just that's my sound effects back the there. My crew. The blue bubble rules the world. <laughs> yeah, see now these guys that are in Canada that are going to start listening, Jeff. I wonder because they say eighty percent of the world is droids. So I wonder if we start pulling from Canada, we get a little bit higher um, uh, iPhone. The things I think about. Next question: Do you love to win or do you hate to lose, Tim? Oh, I hate to lose. More than I love to win, I think, if I'm honest with you. Think so? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm Any a fierce reason? competitor. There's no doubt about it. Although I've never been called a predator, Jeff. That that might be a first. <laughs> Apex, he said. Apex. Apex predator. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No one knows what that means except for Jeff. I mean, we, we, we know. We're just like, okay, Apex. That must mean like, like A, top. We don't know. Anyways, last question. Two things we believe got you to where you are today, skill or luck. Which one would you say has been a bigger factor in your life, Tim? Uh, I would say fortune. Yeah. So we'll go with luck, not skill. Um, but I believe hard work absolutely creates luck. Um, and for me personally, I would say, uh, you know, God has kind of handed me some opportunities that I didn't earn. Boom, boom, boom. No doubt about that. Some shout out to God. I'm glad you appreciate that. A lot of people are absolutely against some of that stuff. Not religion. I'm talking luck. They're like, no, no, no such thing as luck and all that. And it's like, dude, come on. (laughs) Not thought any of this was luck. And then some people are like, there's no such thing really truly as a skill. You just get lucky where you're at. And I'm like, wow, how do you guys get there? It's like Republican and Democrats come to the middle. So here we get, give us the two to three minute uh, background of Tim. Take us back to diapers, high school, college, wherever you want, and bring us forward to how you became this co-founder. Yeah, yeah, happy to. So born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, still here today, actually. Great place to raise a family. Um, I went to University of Cincinnati. Um, In high school, I was a basketball player and uh, had dreams of playing college basketball, and probably could have gone and did that at some small schools, but then I got a full ride academic scholarship at University of Cincinnati and uh, decided gotcha. it would be silly not to take money to go to college. <laughs> so right. uh, at the time, University of Cincinnati was one of the best basketball teams in the nation. So um, I toyed with walking on, but it was not to be. So uh, ended up finding my way into business and always had this idea that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, I always say, I think it's a seed planted by God because. I didn't grow up around it. Like I didn't have a family member who was an entrepreneur. Going into college, I probably couldn't have even really told you what it was other than I just felt like someday I wanted to be a business owner, right? So as part of my program, I was required to co-op, which just meant every other quarter, you know, one quarter I was in class, the next quarter I would go work for a company. And gotcha. the first co-op I did, even though my the other folks in the scholarship program were going to like Kroger and Fifth Third and P&G and all these great companies we have in Cincinnati, I met an entrepreneur who had just sold his company to eBay, and this was the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and he was working on starting uh, his second startup uh, while doing his earnout at eBay, and I just decided, like, I'm going to go work for this guy and learn what the heck it's like to be an entrepreneur. So that was my first taste of kind of the real-world professional, uh, professional world, and, you know, I've never looked back. I just fell in love with this is a, a mission-based company trying to help people reach their goals and also trying to build a great, profitable, valuable company at the same time, doing a ton with a really small team all out of this tiny office in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I just fell in love with the idea that you could literally change the world with a small team running after, you know, kind of a shared mission. Um, so that's kind of the backstory. Um, like I said, I've, I've sort of been in startups ever since, uh, kind of serial co-founder of tech companies, never been an engineer myself, never writing code, but always working around technology. Um, started a number of companies and uh, kind of got to the point where I had a service company. So we would help other organizations figure out how can we leverage technology to build a better company, to solve problems, to do more you know, in our own space. So kind of this, this uh, innovation type work we were doing. I just realized at some point, like looked around, we had 30 employees, all, you know, most of them developers. 
and they loved their jobs. Like I, I was just struck by how cool it was that we created 30 jobs that people loved. Like they just, they were better human beings because they had a good job. And it just, something about that was like, man, I, what if you could do that with a thousand jobs? Like what if you could create a company in a space that if you win could create thousands of jobs and could be, you know, could last for a really long time. And that's what got me really looking around at organizations and industries. And that's kind of what piqued my interest in, in insurance, honestly, was I looked at, you know, the Cincinnati region. I'm like, man, the people who've donated the most to our communities, the people who've been around for 100 years, who've created thousands of jobs, these are insurance companies. I'm like, that's the kind of legacy organization I want to be a part of starting. So that that's kind of what, what got my entrepreneurial red flags going. I'm like, man, I think there's an opportunity to leverage data and technology to build a company in this space if I could pair with a domain expert. Okay. And so then, so a couple of things to take out of there. First of all, Cincinnati uh, University, I got to tell you, I mean, for a small school, they are explosive, especially right now in football, right? That's right. Oh, man, I tell you what. And then basketball, you guys have always been someone that out of nowhere will just come out for two or three good years and just put the pounding on. (laughs) And then you guys kind of fade back away for a little bit. It's true. So yeah, dude, love it, love it, love it. A lot of great things, especially in Ohio for insurance. Yes. I mean, it is huge. You got Iowa, you got Illinois, you've got Ohio, real big for for that. So you're kind of in that breeding ground, which That's is right. uh, really exciting. Um, and Tim, so you found a, a, a you said a, a founder. Or I mean, not a founder, a partner. Yep. Uh, to help you with this, that's what you needed. And that's so, right. um, one of the things I liked Tim about you is, as I read your your bio over here, is that you're the chief strategy officer. Do you have a CEO that works for your business? Yep, absolutely. So David McFarland's that insurance background expert who's an actuary, been in insurance his entire career. See, see, loyal listeners, this is a lesson to learn number one. He knew his strengths, knew he's been a strategy guy, board member, marketing officer his whole life, stayed to it. I think sometimes, Tim, um, and this probably helps you, I imagine, as uh, in your in your series uh, rounds, because because they they realize instantly, like, wow, this isn't a guy with an ego that wants to be the CEO. He wants a really good business. Did has any have I been the first one to tell you that, or, or have you ever heard that? Yeah, no, I mean that's been I, I I really do attribute that to our success. Is like we've had we had three co-founders, um, and I've known for a long time what I'm good at, and I'm good at strategy and growth and in building culture and, and teams. Uh, I'm not great at operations and I'm not an insurance expert. So the other two co-founders, one is an expert at operations. He's our COO and he's been in operations his entire career. The other is our technical founder, David McFarland, who's been in insurance his entire career and understands yeah. that world as well as anyone. So the, I think I that's it. been the attractive part since the early, whether it's team members we've recruited, investors we've pitched or partners like Having that combination of of technology and startup expertise, operational prowess, and insurance knowledge, like really is the magic. Like you see a lot of people who believe we can take out an insurance company with just a bunch of developers, right? And then they don't understand the industry and they make a bunch of mistakes and ends up killing them. Or you see a bunch of you know folks who've been lifers in insurance who say like we can do it a little bit better. And absolutely, you can do it a little bit better. If you've been in insurance your entire career, it's really hard to question assumptions that I might question not coming from insurance, right? So I think it's that unique blend of both that has made Coterie successful so far. So let's talk real quick about that. Coterie, what is it? Where? So you got together, you said, I got these three partners. What's the product? What was the vision? What's the idea? Yeah, we believed we could. Hold on, before we go there, real quick, 
who pitched who on the starting of Coterie? That's a gr- great That's a question, question, Jeff. This is this has been kind of a the brainchild of David for decades. So you know, as he has gone on his journey, starting at NCCI um, years and years ago out of college as an actuary, he wow. has just slowly seen like opportunity after opportunity for doing things different and better. So throughout his journey, he started to you know see some opportunities like man. No one is leveraging data from systems that already have data. Like that's a big red flag. Why aren't we doing that? Why why is there such a manual process, right? Um, eventually, he made his way to Jewelers Mutual, and they realized like, hey, if you actually put insurance in places of relevance, like an online shopping cart where someone's buying jewelry, the uptake rate is higher, and you know there's less people, there's less fraud, right? Because <laughs> uh, people are actually buying jewelry. So he's like pulling on these different threads and experiences over time, and then sort of seeing all the work that's going into the personal line space, but very little innovation being, you know, time and energy being focused on the commercial space. uh, In addition to, you know, less regulatory scrutiny, meaning like it's easier to file a bunch of insurance products in a bunch of states quicker on the commercial lines and saying like, man, I think there's an opportunity to build a great commercial insurance company. So it's been a little bit of a through line uh, throughout his career. David moved to Cincinnati. He was kind of winding down his time at ClearCover, which was a company he helped start in Chicago, um, and really wanted to take a swing at commercial. So we got connected over coffee because uh, Cincinnati's a, a not a huge town, but um, you know, big enough. There's a it's a great place to build a company, small enough that if you're a new entrepreneur in town, like you'll probably get pointed in my direction or a handful of other entrepreneurs' direction. And that's how David and I met. Was he had this nice. pitch? He wanted to run after this company and. You know, he didn't know I was kind of looking for my next opportunity quietly. And I was like, yep, this is this is the exact kind of swing, the exact kind of founder I want to partner with. I love that, dude. We're going to swing back to that. I want to know about the connection. Okay, we have the idea. Now how are we going to get the money and go forward? Before we do, though, tell us about Coterie. Well, yeah. So we got a little down, though. How this come about? I mean, what is it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're trying to build the next great commercial insurance company is kind of the the top line, right? Um, our mission is to build and foster a world-class team to bring speed, simplicity, and service to commercial insurance. The way we're doing that first is by attacking small commercial. We all have a heart for small businesses. Uh, as a small business owner myself, I know how underserved that category is. And you know, we just believe that you know the fact that 40% of small businesses don't have insurance is a is a big problem. Like this is where most of job our jobs in America come from, right? And you know, it's a small business is one mistake. You guys know this one bad decision, one bad mistake, one catastrophe away from lights out and all those jobs are gone. Like we believe insurance is obviously a critical part of that. And we think like not many people have focused, especially on that really small into small commercial. So we've said, what if we could leverage data and technology to build a better experience, to make small business insurance readily available, whether you want it from an agent uh, or you want it from a system you're already using. Like we just want to make it really simple for you. Now, the reality is like most small business owners, they're really smart. They lean on experts. That's why 90% of small business insurance goes through an agent still is because they don't want to be an expert in small business insurance, right? Right. But they want to lean on an agent. You guys probably know this better than anyone. Like agents are spending way too much time trying to write a, you know, $500 small business policy that they make jack on. Uh, yeah. And into that, Tim. Yeah. So it's it's like it's a time consuming thing, but they also want to help their customer, right? Like they want to help that small business owner. They want to be able to provide a solution, and not send them down the street to someone else. So we just said, what if you could write that policy in three minutes? 
and get it done all online and not have to go back and forth with an underwriter. Like, why can't we automate that process? So that's exactly what we've done. You know, we built with data and technology first to say, we're going to automate the underwriting process. We're going to make it all, we're going to bring it all online, our, all of our appetite, right? You're going to get a yes or no in a minute, and you're going to be able to bind a policy in under five minutes, and policy docs are going to be in your inbox, and we're going to make that magical experience for you. We're also going to help you become a better agent because we know it's really hard to understand, you know, 2,500 different class codes of small businesses, right? But again, we can leverage data and technology to say, hey, for a class code like this and a location like this, here's the coverages and the limits you should probably consider, you know, sort of like a businesses like you type approach. So not only are we making it easier for you to write that policy, we're helping you better uh, be better informed as an agent and provide better solutions to your customers. So that's kind of the lowdown of, of Coterie. I really, really like that. So you're using, so your your distribution model, is it direct? Is it too direct? Or do we use any independent agents? Yep. Most of our business is coming through independent agents, right? So we've built okay. a tool that, you know, a dashboard tool that an agent can come to Coterie and, and use our tool and in a couple minutes write a policy. We've done API integrations with most of the insure techs in the world. So if you're using a different system or a tool or, you know, whatever it is as an agent, like chances are Coterie has already integrated there. So you can leverage the stack. You're so Tarmica, using. if I'm using uh, Tarmica that's over right. there with rags in them. Yeah. So, okay, that's perfect. Yep. So let me ask you this, just getting a little bit more detail. When you Sometimes I think I think agents get confused here, especially I think the insure tech vendors do as well. Are you an insurance company? Is it your paper or are you just providing tools to make it more simple? That's a great question. The way I describe it is we're an MGA acting like a full stack carrier. So it's not our paper. We have fronting companies we work with. We're writing on okay. their paper, but we have the pen. So we have full control. We've built and filed the insurance products. We manage the filings. We manage, um, you know, Good to claims. know, Tim. So, That's a great separator right there yep. between you and a lot of other people. They're just creating the technology, which is great. Yes, because agents that's helpful. That. Yeah. But they're not truly commercial insurance companies. That's a very rarely do I hear what you said. You're filing the rates. You have the pin. Yeah, I like what you said too. An MGA, but has the pin yep. on that stuff. That's great. That's great. And, for, and then okay, that was an, it was an important distinction because you can't build a a, di a magical digital experience if you are beholden to being integrated with legacy carrier systems. Like, we on. just can't wait a minute for a call out to another system, right? Reach. So that's right. why we decided we have to, it was harder, obviously, right? It took us years to get to market because we were going to build and file these products, but we just knew we couldn't create the experience we wanted to by leveraging third-party systems that exist. When did you start? When was that meeting between you and Dave? Uh, summer of 2018 is when we first started talking. Fall of 2018 is when we incorporated. And you said, okay, we're going to do this now. Do you have any money? No. Do you have money? No, I don't know. Let's go get another guy. He doesn't have money. Who's got money? How'd that, how'd that go about, Tim? Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about the Yeah, so I'd say like there was a kind of early angel round first where, you know, one of the benefits of being a serial entrepreneur is, um, you know, three of us co-founders, we had all been part of starting things before. So it wasn't our first rodeo, which means, you know, we have an existing network of folks who sort of already believe us and understand us. Mm -hmm. So you know, it still requires pitching a ton of angel investors before someone writes a check and says, "Yeah, I'll, I'll give you money before you have a there there." <laughs> um, you know, we'll, we'll take a we'll take a gamble on you. I'll tell you the difference between doing that early on at Coterie versus doing that early on in my first company was pretty significantly different. Um, you know, first time founder, not knowing what you're doing, not having the network, like it was a you know, it's always an uphill battle. 
the hill's a little less steep though with each company you you're a part of uh, of building. So you know we, mm-hmm. we kind of tapped our network, got some early backers to say, hey, unlike many other companies, like it's actually going to take us a while to get to market. Like we got to do this thing right. We can't just build an MVP and launch it, launch it overnight and start getting revenue. Like you know this is this is an industry that's heavily regulated that is going to require a mountain of effort just to get to market. If you're going to do it differently, we don't want to just build some technology. We want to build a great experience and great insurance products that actually meet the needs of a small business. So raise enough capital to get to a point where we had, you know, basically built the relationships we needed on the insurance side to say, okay, we've got reinsurance. We've got a funding partner, right? We've got permission now to go build this thing. Uh, And that was enough momentum to go raise a little bit more capital that allowed us to basically build uh, kind of the first version file products, get our first partner live, which then was kind of momentum to build it, to raise that next round of capital. And, you know, building a startup, the, the goal is not to raise capital. And, and frankly, I'll tell you guys, early on in the journey at Coterie, the three co-founders said, like, if we could do this thing without raising much capital, that would be a much better path because as soon as you get on that train, you, you don't get off of it. Um, but pretty quickly, we realized we were onto something special and we just knew, like, if we don't do this, someone else is going to. Someone else is going to go raise a ton of money and we're going to kick ourselves in the butt for for not being more aggressive. And so we decided, you know what? We think there's a moment in time where you know no one else in the world is doing this. We have a right to win. Let's be aggressive here. Let's go raise capital. Let's bring partners alongside of us who understand this space, who are excited about this vision uh, and can give us money to, to go faster than we would otherwise be able to go. So, you know, that's that's kind of the, the, it was a shift in mentality. And I think it was absolutely the right call. And, you know, that has enabled us to now raise, you know, about 65 million in total over the last three years, uh, 50 of that coming in our series B um, just very recently here. Um, and that, you know, what that does is we've got a world-class team, <laughs> like on the technology side and the insurance tie- side, like we're, you know, we're hitting above our weight class in terms of being able to attract and retain talent. And, you know, capital certainly enables that. And you guys are writing policies right now. Agents are, are selling your policies. That's yep. right. And and there's certain just certain classes, three, four, five hundred classes probably right now. And you got thinking about expanding. Yep, absolutely. So we've got a business owner's policy, general liability, and professional liability. Those products are all live in forty eight states. We've got approval in forty nine and and New York hopefully coming soon as well. So maybe even by the time this post we'll have we'll have those those fifty. Um so yeah. <laughs> nobody nobody don't, care about don't crush new york. my spirits <laughs> hey, Henley, nobody no, care about new york, uh, new york or new california york. trying to do business in those are crazy but you obviously got into cali we got said. into cali yep so we're getting a lot of business in california texas and and florida as well we've got we've got uh, uh we're live in florida so um and and actually pretty broad appetite i don't know the number of classes offhand but you know, we we've got a really large broad appetite because you know, in addition in addition to agents and brokers, you know, we we have partnered with the likes of of Intuit and built an insurance product for them as well, or alongside them as well. So uh, okay. we're kind of powering their their insurance agency also. Which to do that, you have to have a broad appetite, right? You can't you can't go into partners like that and say like we're only going to write a few classes, right? We need a really broad appetite, right? 
Are you ready to transform the way your business communicates? Look no further than Lightspeed Voice, the ultimate solution for insurance agencies seeking a seamless communication. I've used them for over eight years. I'm telling you, what I'm reading is the truth. Picture this, crystal clear calls, advanced features, unparalleled, flexible, tailored, just for you. That's Lightspeed Voice. Tired of drop calls and outdated systems? Lightspeed Voice has your back. Say goodbye to communication hiccups and hello to a new era of efficiency. I love that. Boost productivity with features like call recording, voice to email, and effortless call transfers. Work from the office, from home, or on the go. Lightspeed Voice keeps you connected wherever your business takes you. Don't worry about the transition. Our dedicated support and onboarding teams will guide you every step of the way. Make the switch to Lightspeed and join the ranks of satisfied insurance agency owners, like me, experiencing the power of seamless communication. Ready to elevate your agency? Visit lightspeedvoice.com or call 877.97-VOICE to schedule your free demo. Lightspeed Voice. We're more than just talk. Cast approved. Tim, just a couple questions yeah. going back a little bit. Um, there's a lot of listeners. I would say maybe 80% plus of the listeners here are insurance agency yep. owners, right? So talk about insure tech in your world and um, just talk about the mechanics of series A, B, C, D, and even C round. Like what do they mean? Because we have a lot of people listening to this for the first time and trying to understand it. And um, also a couple of hard questions is, which round do you think was harder, the Series A or the C round? And he's gonna have to have like a note. Who are here, Jess. who are your partners that you think on the venture side that is critical that you are like, man, they're the right partner? Yeah, all good questions. Uh, I will say we have been very fortunate to have just incredible investors all along the way. Um, so for you know, kind of the traditional venture story or venture journey looks like. Usually either kind of founders put money in or friends and family or you get some early angels so that you can call it a friends and family or an, or a, or an angel round. But, you know, you're usually raising a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe to a million bucks just to give you a chance to to see if there is a there there. Right. So that's that's kind of typically that that first journey. If you're able to kind of prove that out, um, prove some of your theories out, like usually you would go on to a seed round, right? And depending on where you're at, that could be, you know, again, a couple hundred thousand dollars, could be a million, could be 10 million, depending on, you know, whether you're in the Valley or in Ohio, right? Um, you know, I would say most typically you're going to look at a couple million dollar seed round. I, you know, I think those first rounds for me are, are always the most challenging, um, you know, usually like those first couple of rounds, what you're selling is a story, right? You haven't really built anything or you've built very little. If you've built anything, you don't have any real momentum. There's no proof yet that the world wants and needs this thing. So like there's a shift, you know, at some point in a company's journey from are we even, are we just drinking our own Kool-Aid or, or is this actually a need? Is there a, is there a hole in the market that we're plugging here? Right? Like, and then at some point the, the shift goes to execution risk. Like, okay, there's clearly an opportunity here. Someone's going to win. Can it be us, mm -hmm. right? Can we actually go do this? So that's where, you know, typically series A, series B, you're closer to that point of like, all right, this is there, we've proven there's a market opportunity here. Can we get the right partners and the right capital and the right employees alongside us to go do this? So 
you know, that Series A was was definitely a challenge. Um, you know, that might have been our hardest round to get done. Most stressful. I mean, that that's like, you know, just to peel back the curtain, like you, you hear the stories of like founders making loans to make payroll and like, you know, weeks of money. Like that was our story. Like we had maybe a couple hundred dollars in the bank when we finally closed our our Series A. And that was after, you know, founders putting up some own some of their own money. So right. that it was a stressful time. We never doubted we could get it done. And here's the crazy part. Uh, it was like two weeks before COVID shut down the world. Like we got Ooh. we got it signed, we got it done. And then literally like lockdown happened right after that. And it was like, holy cow, like if that timing was different, it's game over. Yeah. Like, so to your question of luck or like, man, we can't control that, right. right? Like we have no control over that whatsoever. And it doesn't matter how good our story was, you know, for a period of time with COVID, no one was writing checks, right? Like it was just, we're going to all pump the brakes and hold on here and see what the heck is going on. Damn, so, Tim, you're so right. Two weeks difference and you would have just been wiped out. We wouldn't be sitting on this podcast. Not at all. Wow. That's right. Holy cow. Yeah. That is crazy. So that that was a that was a stressful time. Um, you know, obviously we got through it, and and we're fortunate enough to have raised at the right time to have money to kind of pump the brakes ourselves and go like, let's hold on a second, see what see what's going to happen here. Like, you know, let's see what happens with small businesses, and you know, obviously it's a stressful time for restaurants and retail and small businesses who are getting shuttered left and right. You know, thanks to not being able to have customers. Um, but for us, we also saw that as like, that's opportunity. Cause you know, what's going to come on the other side of that, like the largest creation of new small businesses that we've seen in a long time, like that's inevitable. And the thing we didn't anticipate is the surge of people who, you know, uh, who decided they were going to quit their day jobs or got let go and, and had to hang up a shingle on their own as a consultant. So not only was it kind of traditional brick and mortar retail, like there's this wave of kind of new consultants and, and, you know, knowledge workers who are saying, I can probably build a you know consulting practice on my own. Mm -hmm. Like, guess what? Those folks need coverage as well, mm -hmm. and they're going to be home based. And fortunately, we can help them. Jeff, what was question number eleven that you asked him? <laughs> I mean, what was the last one about the vendor or who's been a strategically good vendor? Oh, our partners. Yeah. So a, a couple couple I'll just rattle off have been tremendous. Um, RPM Ventures they led our Series A round, and um, they. They definitely have some insurance background and knowledge. Um, so they had been investing in, in insure techs like Hippo. And so um, getting to work with partners who'd seen this story before um, in a non-competitive way, right? Hippo's personal lines focus, but but they had been on a journey. They were a couple steps ahead of us and we've gotten to learn from some of their mistakes and, and some of their, you know, some of their wins as well. So that that's been tremendous and, and they've never wavered in their support of us and, and kind of opened doors for us. Um, and I would say, you know, having some some insurance company logos behind us, even though they didn't they don't sit on our board, they didn't lead rounds. But, you know, early on, we had we had some Western and Southern was an investor. The Hartford was an investor and continue to invest along nice. with us. Like those are some nice logos who go like, OK, there's been they vetted us. I promise you, like there's some heavy vetting uh, before those guys write a check. So that 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 leads to some credibility when we're talking to new partners as it well. Does. Um, and then Intact Ventures uh, has been a huge part ever since then. So Intact's out of uh, out of Canada, one of the largest insurance companies in the world. Um, you know, they they've been a huge part of our story more more recently. So we've had incredible investors who understand the space and will be patient with us. Meaning, like 
you know, there's a temptation in this world to build for a quick exit when you get on the venture train. We've said from the beginning, we want to build a great company that can last for a long time. Uh, and we've got patient investors who, who have bought into our vision. Um, and that's, that's really exciting. Wow. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Jeff, was that all your questions? Just want to make sure I'm, I'm being serious. Man, there's, there's a couple of deeper ones I want to go into. I'm watching Tim's radio. So, <laughs> so one of the cool things that's new, first of all, let me ask you a question real quick. Do you know Duck Creek, the guys at Duck Creek, Tim? I don't. I know of the company. I don't know okay, the guys. Okay, I was there. just curious. Yeah. You mentioned Intuit, and I know they did a lot of stuff with Intuit, but that was seven, eight, nine years ago. Um, now, let's talk real quick and swing over about this, because, Tim, I would like to know like some other insure tech that like you're out there, you've got some pulse, maybe you don't, maybe you're so buried in your company, but the, the feeling out there, what are some really good other insure tech carrier or companies out there, vendors, doesn't have to be a, a company, um, and then also... Uh, on that, I want to talk about Agent Sync because they're all over the place right now. They're a unicorn, and I can't figure out why. I've read the damn thing over and over, the press release. And one of the things that all agents, loyal listeners, holler because you know you hear me on this, is these insure tech carriers that call us and are like, well, what we're going to do is we're going to work on getting all the systems connected. That's what we're going to do. And I'm like, bro. You got to be new to the space to be thinking that you're going to be able to do that. Everybody's tried to do that, you know? And and when I read through this agent sync, that's kind of what I'm reading here. And I'm thinking, what are they seeing in these people? And I don't really know. And so I'd love to get Jeff and Tim, your, 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 your thoughts on this. I'll go with you, Jeff. What are your thoughts first? Yeah, let's say start with Jeff here and I'll, I'll chime in. But Well, I think like, People overthink the insurtech thing, really. Like, you know, I was chatting with a, a good friend from uh, Munich Re, who played in the insurtech space pretty good. And she was like, <clears throat> you know, the early entry of insurtech investment people looking for technology, looking for stack technology, full stack technology, looking for things like that. But if you look at a lot of the big legacy companies, they got technology. You look at them, they got money for sure. They have data. So you, a lot of things you see in a pitch deck, technology, data, and integrations are, everybody have those in their pitch deck. But what makes somebody a unicorn is people who can reimagine tomorrow. Um, I think that's one of the critical things about InsurTech or FinTech or whatever. You got to understand what's broken. Right, so David McFarland, I have never talked to him, by the way. Um, he came from a background where he saw what was broken, and that is so important. I can tell you how important that is. Just imagine, you know, Uber trying to pitch investors. That's why, I like, what Mark Cuban turned him down is Mark Cuban probably didn't think there was anything broken. But Uber saw what was broken. They realized how much online ride share that was out there, right? Airbnb saw what was broken. And David McFarland definitely saw something that was broken. You know, I'm not actually, I don't come from that world. You know, I'm not coming from the carrier world. But to see what's broken and all the air that's broken. And if you think, hey, if I just put this chest piece this way, put this one in the front, and on the process flow, this goes this way. On a workflow, this goes that way. On a people flow, this goes yeah. that way. And the velocity of money, remember? Um, a lot of people don't talk about velocity of money. Every carrier have a different velocity of money. 
and do not get what that do you wrong. mean by that what do you mean by look that Jeff? These... loyal listeners don't or, or don't live in your world so look at like the carriers who are like i don't know i feel like i might have a back backlash on this there's but there's carriers they're carriers who want out the door says we can replace insurance agents yeah. right we're going to replace insurance agents, and they're not part of our business plan. We're going to attract sexiness of direct-to-consumer. Google is a master sandbox. We're all little slaves in it, right? So us little slaves paying our little dues, you know, we had to pay Google. So how I give $100 to a direct-to-consumer in short time versus how I give $100 to an agency in short time was spent completely differently because the people who are spending the Google money, they had to pay Google first drive the online traffic, and then to generate that piece of business, they have to build internal process, internal people, which all costs a lot of money up front, up front, up front. And then they get that piece of business later, much, much later after they spend a lot of money. And you probably have spent 5x, 10x more money to generate that piece of traffic versus uh, in short tech carrier that rely on agents. I give him, someone like Tim, $100. And they just build a piece of air called Astrory, right? the oldest thing in the book called Asheroy. And they said, hey, come get this Asheroy. Come get this drug. And we write premiums. You know, We put the computer expense, the recruiting on people expense. We put the driving of the online traffic expense on our own, our own pocket. So then we go out there write piece of premium for Tim, for Coterie. And then we get paid 30, 45 days later because commission cycles is a month out. And Tim did so much more with that $100 the velocity of money return much faster and all the expenses push on someone else's pocket versus the the insure tech of the last five years. They put all that expenses on their own pocket, right? And they probably spend 10x more money than Tim. So this is why I think like the company like Branch, the reinvention of ClearCover, um, Hippo, and Coterie is ahead. They're doing wow. it right. So now they're not just taking market share from the super regional carriers and the legacy care from because they're taking insurance agents time and they're taking insurance agents quotes. They're also reinventing the velocity of right. that money. I want to hit back at that, Jeff. That was really intelligent. I got to tell you, I've really never heard you put the velocity that way. I knew what you seriously. Yeah, well, listen probably. To a lot of that's a good point. And I've probably said it at some point in time. I just forgot too much cannabis. Hey, now, Tim, now, <laughs> Tim, let me ask you, I mean, any of your thoughts on what he said or other yeah. insure tech vendors out there that you know of? Yeah, no, I just to react to what Jeff said, the way I've talked about it is, um, you know, it's the difference between selling a vitamin and a painkiller. Like, it's so much harder if you want to try and go direct, here's the thing we know about small business insurance. Uh, small businesses don't want it. <laughs> They're not excited to go buy insurance, right? We know that. Like To try and hit me as a small business owner, if you try and hit me over the head with an ad for a small business policy like, and it's just not time for me, like it's really hard. It's just really hard to get me to care about it, right? So um, when I care about it though, who do I go talk to? My agent, mm -hmm. right? So if you go talk to an agent and they already have people banging on their door saying, help me with a small business policy, you're selling a painkiller. Like you have a solution that solves a problem that fit, that addresses a need right now. Uh, if you are trying to, even, you know, working with the next great, like Intuit's an awesome partner, but to, for us to work with Intuit and try to 
like sort of collectively convince people to think about insurance as part of that ecosystem. It's just different. It's a vitamin. It's a nice to have. Cool. I can also get my insurance here. I'm probably not sitting on into it at the moment in time, though, when I think that I need insurance. Mm -hmm. So while I think it's an interesting opportunity for us, it's still a vitamin versus a painkiller where I know that when that person needs insurance, they're probably going to start with their agent. Uh, And so we just want to make it real easy for the agent to be able to sell it. So and Jeff, I just comment on something else Jeff said early on was like the the difference between someone who's sort of sees an opportunity for like incremental improvement in industry versus like radical disruptive improvement. Early on, we had a chance to take capital from investors who would have given us money had we decided basically just to integrate with a bunch of carriers and you know build an, an uh, a rating platform. They loved our vision, except. They thought it was silly for us to try and build our own products and get to market that way. They were like, no, just integrate with people who already have insurance products and build a better mousetrap. And we just said, like, I think someone can do that and make a nice business on it. It's not going to change the industry. It's not going to be the kind of lasting disruptive change that we believe this industry is you know, ready for uh, or will be ready for eventually. So we're going to fight the harder fight. We're going to do hard things first. We believe by doing that, we'll give ourselves a better shot at winning kind of long term. So I think that's your point of there are few who understand kind of deeply what an industry really needs and what the opportunities are. And that's kind of the difference. This is a really great conversation because we got Jeff who brought this velocity up, gave us a great analogy. You've really done the same thing from your positioning. Now, as an independent insurance agent who's actually selling the product, Tim, that you have and actually living with those some of those expenses on the agency side, Jeff, you hit on something that is really remarkable. It is a huge, huge sticking point, has been for 20, 30, 40 years in this industry about who carries the weight of the cost. And so one of the things that I think makes great is, is when, when what we're seeing right now in InsureTech 1.0 is we're seeing that very, very, well, it's actually 2.0 because they used to be in bed with the carriers. And Tim, I'm talking about everybody before you guys were even mm-hmm. around. Now you guys have come out and said, wait a minute. At the beginning, three years ago, we didn't need the independent agents. We had this figured out. Now they realize that they need us. And so now they're using it. And that's what we always knew. Because if you thought about it, our weakness was the technology portion giving it that customer experience. You now and your company can come in and help us make that and getting a quote in three minutes, you know, being able to have QB, a QBI quote buying an issue. Those type of things our carriers don't, don't support. So that's where you come in. But I think where we get back to the velocity of money, not really, but kind of, is where we spread those costs to say, I think InsureTech 3.0 is now how can we help you on the back end, right? One of the things that I think that just totally ruffled the feathers of, of the industry, which I think they were right on, is Hippo. Because they, my, I could market to a person, send them through my API, which was nothing more than their system, and then, and then they would, uh, we, they could quote buying an issue, or someone would reach out to them. And here was the key. I thought that was great. They would even service that client. Now I know, loyal listeners, you're going, wait a minute, Jason's giving up the most important part. No, it goes to the very same thing where we all thought that they didn't want e-signatures. We all thought that they didn't want technology to be able to buy a product from us. Now we've all been proven wrong, loyal listeners, agency owners out there. And I believe the next step is taking that cost off of us. And there's going to be some genius model that's behind the scenes that allows us to, yes, still be connected. 
but be using your technology to be able to service yeah. that, which makes you more efficient as well. I think that's the yeah. second half of this. Thoughts on that, Tim? No, I fully agree, Jason. And we, our vision for that is like, there are certain things that the customer can do their sell, themselves. Like, let's enable that. Like, you need a cert. You would, you would actually prefer yes. as a business, I know this, I would prefer if I've got a contract waiting for me that I need a cert for, like, I want to just be able to log in and go get that That's dang right. cert, not wait on an email train or a call with my, like, we're going to enable that. Like, we want to push that stuff down and say, like, there are certain things that make sense for the customer to be able to do on their own. Like, great, let's build a great policyholder facing portal that will enable them to update their address, mm -hmm. right? To look at their policy details, to, to get a new cert created, like. There are things like that that you don't need to be spending time on as an agent uh, that the customer would actually prefer to do on their own anyway. So we think part of it is like enabling that, you know, some of the technology we've got on the back end for our team and uh, pushing that forward to say, let an agent do it if they want to, let the customer do it if they want to, but let's simplify the whole dang part of it. Like other than you've got really deep insurance questions about your policy, great. You should call your Correct. agent. Let's talk, talk to them about that, That's right? That's right, Tim. That makes us professionals. We're there to help when they need yes. it. That's exactly right. Wrapping this up, Jeff, we've went a long time. Anything you have to say to Tim, anything we didn't hit on, thank you very much for your velocity of money. I'm going to cut that out and pump the shit out of that. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> um, so I have to drop some disclaimers. So, you know, quantum assurance, we are an agency that writes a lot of coterie. And um, and I think I recommended Tim, right? Jason, when we were chatting mm -hmm. the other day, I recommended bring Tim on because I really believe what you guys are doing over there. So, you know, there's there's just a lot of things that you guys are doing mm -hmm. right, and I applaud you guys. And then Jason said something like, in short tech 3.0, I'm not sure if we're at 3.0 yet, but you guys are definitely the version mm -hmm. of the short tech 2.0. Short Tech 1.0 was like the guys of Lemonade, Roots, Metro Miles, um, yeah, Lemonade, and then they came out here and said, "We we know how to build a mousetrap, but at the end of the day, their mousetrap is only digital, and and their market share of what is worth right now is market speaking out against how they feel like their cost per acquisition mm -hmm. is right." He would say, "Oh, they're they're uh." Their yeah. loss ratio is horrible. Their combined rate is horrible. You know what? Combined rate is combined with CPAs. And if you only have one trap and you've been stuck in yeah. that way forever, it's a horrible foundation to be building on. And versus you start with the agency and build the best possible foundation of cash flow, velocity of money, and CPA. And then you can start venturing out, start building embedded insurance with other companies, right? Embedded insurance is a huge part of InsurTech. We imagine tomorrow, we see so many industry are now merging together. And then you start stacking things like direct-to-consumer, like a little call center, baby call center, or multiple call center, or remote call centers. And then you start stacking digital on top of it. I think this is a way to go in InsurTech 2.0. Um, I just want to make sure that everybody don't just get this podcast out of this session. Um, if you are on LinkedIn, make sure you go follow mm -hmm. Tim Mesner. On LinkedIn, because the last couple of weeks you just Thank been you. on a roll. Um, I think you dropped this one article of um, the eyes of the founders, right? Talk about you know your journey, not you know your journey the last two years about what it was like to be a founder and being around founders in your crew and um, some of the amazing hires you had. I love the part you shout out to like Catherine and Ray 
and then these amazing hires that you guys were blessed with. And, um, you know, if you are on LinkedIn, make sure you follow Tim Messner and make sure you follow Coterie and his crew. So anything you want to add to that, Tim? Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I will, you'll, you'll learn quickly about me. One of the things I care about more than anything is building great companies and great culture. Um, I think we have an awesome opportunity to enable agents to do their job better. And a lot of the, what I love actually, Jeff, you mentioned like kind of the couple steps down the road, like the next plays will run. Those are not separate from agents. Like those plays actually will benefit agents as well. Like we want an agent to have a super easy button for a customer to quote and bind right on their, right on their website as well. Right? Like we want them to make it easier to service a policy like to, for their customers, for the policyholders. So a lot of the stuff we're going to build that, you know, makes it easy for a business owner to get stuff anywhere. Um, I think agents will tremendously benefit from that as well. And that, that excites me because they're small business owners themselves. And that's, again, that's sort of our heart at Coterie is like, we love serving that small business owner. That's awesome, man. That's super, super awesome. Tim, greatly appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us on InsureTech Week. Uh, just like Shark Week. And Jeff, I really do appreciate you. Great, great conversation. Really, really, I honestly knew it would be good, but I really think this is one of those that uh, I don't always push my own podcasts. I don't post and say, hey, go listen to this podcast. I try to save it for the ones like this. So when I do push them, people are like, hey, Cass must really want me to listen to this. I don't know if they really think that, guys. It's just in my head. Big <laughs> ego. Barely got through the door, but don't worry about it. Jeff Shee, appreciate you. Tim Metzner, this will be the last this will not be the last time we talk. Hopefully one of these days we'll sit together and have a cold, refreshing beverage. That would be a good one. And uh, it'll be on it'll be on Jeff. Uh we should go live on Cincinnati. You know, imagine us going live from uh Cincinnati from their shop. That's right. That would that'd be a good idea, Jeff. We'd be happy to host. Live from Cincinnati, WKRP. Remember that? Remember that? That's a long that's time right. ago. Yeah. yeah, that's probably like a known thing in Cincinnati, but to me in St. Louis, that's like unbelievable that I just remembered that. Hey Jeff She Tim, thank you very much for your time. And loyal listeners, thank you because we you are who we are and I do what I do for you. Remember, tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass. I'm out. He, she, that's Metzner. See ya! Hey agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you gotta do is you gotta admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com, check out what we do, because we do all those bad things that you can't do, really. And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good, or you don't even want to do them anymore, because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, at Virtual Intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up, go to ChatGPT, put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said, I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. 
That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.